Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Donovan Mitchell is a Cleveland Cavalier. The Pitt Panthers began their season with a brawl and why the Knicks made the right move in missing on Mitchell. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes has completed, and he's headed to New York. No, he's not headed to New York. He is going to Cleveland in a crazy surprise twist. The Cleveland Cavaliers have acquired Donovan Spider Mitchell for OJ Abaji, Lori Markinen, Colin Sexton, who the Jazz immediately extended, plus three unprotected picks and two future pick swaps. A major haul for the multi-time All-Star. Joining me now from Locked on Cavs, Chris Manning. And Chris, this is uh, an all-in move for the Cavaliers. For them, why is this trade worth it? I think it's pretty, it's been clear for a while. If you read the tea leaves of what they've been linked to, first DeJounte Murray, who goes to Atlanta, then Donovan Mitchell, and then it's reported they pulled themselves out. The door kind of opens back up. I think they were clearly looking for a backcourt partner for Darius Garland. That wasn't Colin Sexton. They wanted an upgrade at that spot and a borderline to all-star level guy. Different kinds of players seem to fit their, what they were looking for. Murray is obviously very different than what Mitchell is, but I think they wanted someone to take some of the burden off of Garland, add some more offensive firepower, add some shooting, add a different element to this team. And, and Mitchell is a guy that's going to raise their ceiling. And I, I think they're hoping that these guys can be a backcourt partnership along with the frontcourt partnership of Mobley and Allen that they can now build with for the foreseeable future. I think you can make the case that with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley manning that back line, that this is the best case scenario for a backcourt that is Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, which defensively is not going to be an elite group. At least that's not what we've seen so far in their respective careers. So in in that way, this, this makes a ton of sense. Is there anything that makes you go, "Mm, I don't know about like, what is the, what is the piece that would, that would give you pause if anything? I, I think in a vacuum, Peter, if I were to say like, I could have designed this trade perfectly for Cleveland I probably want Karis LeVert going out in the straight instead of Larry Marketing. I think that off-ball floor spacing, I think his defensive competitiveness makes a little bit more sense. And and I, and I think losing Abaji is like a little bit of a sting, even though that that you think he's a 14th overall pick. You're not expecting him to become a superstar. I think the defensive thing is the thing you're you're worried about. We have seen Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs just get put into a, a just constant cycle of being attacked. That will Will at some point happen to Darius Garland as well? Size-wise, you know, do they necessarily match up perfectly with the Celtics and how big they are, how big Milwaukee is? You know, those are the two best teams in the East. There, there are some questions about that, but it's also about who's available, and I think the hope is that, like, you have these two aliens in Mobley and Allen that can erase some of the stuff, and, and I think you're also hoping, for Donovan Mitchell in particular, that what we saw in Utah with some of the defensive lapses is a little bit of effort it's a little bit of a question of he was unhappy now that he's happy and tweeting about being in Cleveland and maybe isn't feuding with his all-star center anymore. You're going to get better defensive or defensive effort. And that limits some of the concerns you have. It's easy to forget now, but Donovan Mitchell coming out of college was considered to be a defense first guy. And, and that changed as he became this offensive force. And, and he's not going to have to carry the load in Cleveland offensively, the same kind of way, which I think is, is where you get the blueprint of, 
He can be better defensively. So you do this trade because you think it materially impacts your chances to be a contender in the East. Where do you think they now fall in that hierarchy of East contenders? I think they are behind Milwaukee and Boston, who I view as the two real title contenders in the East. Those are the two best teams in the East, full stop. I think they're behind them. But I think if you get into that next tier, Miami, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Cleveland, like you're getting into that tier, that two through six, two through eight range, where it's going to be a bloodbath, where like teams who have good injury luck and good health and just get some things that go their way are probably going to come out on top. They're in that tier to me. And I think the goal for them in year one of this is be a top four seed. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think they were, um, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Brooklyn, right? Like there's just a lot of unknowns and it's going to be really competitive, but I think you're looking at them and thinking, okay, yes, they are still very young. Let's remember Evan Mobley's in year two. Darius Garland is going into uh, year four. Jared Allen, you know, is just 24. Donovan Mitchell is just about to turn 26. Like this is a guy still very much in the prime, you would think. The upside potential of Cleveland at this point among those teams in that two through eight range is arguably maybe not higher than Brooklyn because no one is at Kevin Durant's level. But I mean, who who knows what's going on there? The upside potential to me is very, very high there for them to be a top four team in the East and be right behind Milwaukee and Boston. And maybe they finish ahead of them just based on how the season goes. But in terms of how I would rank them, I, I think they're somewhere in that two to six range behind those two real title contenders. Stay up to date on the Cleveland Cavaliers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Cavaliers podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Pitt Panthers got the season started off with a brawl against West Virginia. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. How about the odds for the lowest scoring team in the 2022 NFL regular season? The Texans are 5-1, to one, the Falcons 6-1, to one, the Bears right behind them at plus 650, Seahawks plus 750, Panthers 9-1, to one, Steelers 10-1. to one. one thing they all have in common, bad quarterbacks. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Denver Broncos got the contract extension they wanted done with Russell Wilson, and it is a doozy. Russell Wilson will be ready to ride for the Denver Broncos for at least the next seven years after a massive contract extension keeps him in Denver for the long term. I'm Cody York, host of Lockdown Broncos, and the Broncos locking up Russell Wilson on a five-year $245 million contract extension. He also gets $165 million guaranteed. He's already tied to Denver for the, at least the next two seasons, but the contract extension will now extend that to seven seasons where he's going to make an average annual value of around $49 million per year in new money, just $1 million shy per year under Green Bay Packers quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, Wilson's impact for the Broncos offense and for the team inside the locker room and in the community of Denver culture-wise has already been significant. Now the Broncos have a franchise quarterback for the next seven seasons. Make sure you check out Lockdown Broncos free and available everywhere. You get your podcast in audio format or whether you watch us on YouTube. Also check us out digitally on 9news.com. 
Tennessee Titans outside linebacker Harold Landry tore an ACL during practice on Wednesday, a source told ESPN. Landry led the Titans with a career-high 12 sacks last season, making him the first Titans pass rusher with double-digit sacks since Brian Arakpo back in 2015 when he had 10 and a half. He also led the league in third down sacks and finished with 49 quarterback pressures, 22 QB hits, and another 21 hurries with 14 tackles for loss. The Titans defense will have a hard time replacing him this season. The Seattle Mariners went to Detroit and took care of business against the Tigers. Well, mission accomplished in Detroit, as they were supposed to, the Mariners get a sweep of the Tigers. This is Tide Gonzalez, host of the Lockdown Mariners podcast. And the M's defeat Detroit by a score of 7 to nothing on Thursday afternoon at Comerica Park with ease. They jump all over Eduardo Rodriguez for six of their seven total runs as an offense, with five of those being earned, including back-to-back home runs from Julio Rodriguez and Ty France. And I'm pretty sure that Julio ball still has not landed as we speak. Logan Gilbert goes six strong innings, strikes out nine, walks just one, and gives up just two hits. Now, some of that, of course, is, you know, uh, the product of facing a Tigers offense, the worst offense in Major League Baseball, but Gilbert looks very good today. And then big congratulations to Matthew Boyd, who makes his Mariners debut for his childhood team and goes one, two, three with a trio of ground outs in his first outing as an M. We will be talking about this game more on the Locked On Mariners post-game show. Be sure to join us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. See you then. And clinging to slim playoff hopes, the Chicago White Sox got a desperately needed series victory over the KC Royals. The Chicago White Sox took care of business on Thursday afternoon, beating the Kansas City Royals 7-1 on the south side. Hey, I'm Nick Murawski from Locked on White Sox. Johnny Cueto bounced back and gave the White Sox an outstanding performance. The bullpen for the Sox was also fantastic. White Sox hit multiple home runs in the game and won a series for the first time in a long time. No time for rest as the Minnesota Twins are in town for three games starting Friday night. For more, tune in to Locked on White Sox. Here is another story you need to know. For the 105th time, West Virginia took on Pitt in the backyard brawl, and it was a heck of a fight, a 38-31 Thriller, a pick six in the final minutes and a fourth down stop on a play that needed to be overturned on review. This was a wild game. Joining me now from Locked on Pit, Nick Faribaugh. And Nick, this is a Pittsburgh team that comes in with real expectations. They are 17th in the polls right now. Some expectations that they can make some noise this season. What did we learn about Pittsburgh in this rivalry spot in a raucous atmosphere? Well, I think they still have that winning gene to them, and I think that you saw that. They had that last year, and this is a team with a lot of experience, and when it gets tough in those nitty-gritty moments, they have veterans that know what to do. And you saw Servassier Dennis, who's a senior linebacker for them, and John Morgan, a senior defensive end, two guys that made really key plays. Uh, Jared Wayne, the wide receiver, he's their senior leader. He made a lot of key plays. Even Keaton Slovis, right, a senior, he didn't have a great game today. And that's another thing you learned is that Keaton Slovis might be a little bit of an issue. But Keaton Slovis did come up big when they needed him to. And there is something to be said about that, that when the times get tough, if you make the play, you make the play. And so this is a pit team that obviously has flaws to them. And then they're still feeling out their offense. And it's like, 
a new offense. It's not Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison anymore. It's it's Keaton Slovis, Rodney Hammond, and Kanade Mumfield, and all these other names that are coming into it. But you learned a lot about this team's grit, this experience, and their winning culture. And I think that's the big thing that you take away is when the moments get tough, Pitt still has that gene in them, so don't count them out in a close game. You made you mentioned Keaton Slovis and him not having maybe his best game. You look at the box score, 308 yards, almost 13 yards per attempt. You go, that's a pretty good game, but it was really a handful of splash plays and then a lot of other, you know, underneath stuff that allowed him to have that that kind of stat line. Kenny Pickett now in the NFL was a standout for this team over the last couple of seasons. What do they need from Slovis moving forward so that they can say challenge a team like Clemson uh, in the ACC? Yeah, well, in that second, third, fourth quarter, you start to see Pitt run the football a little bit better. And so he got into a game manager mode, and that's where he needs to be. He needs to be in a rhythm. He needs to be able to make simplified reads because every time he came off his first read today, he got happy feet, and he didn't really stay in the pocket. He was concrete at times, and, and at other times, he was just escaping to nowhere. Uh, it was really bad, actually, to watch. He caused about four sacks that probably shouldn't have happened and killed a few very, very encouraging pit drives. And the first play of the second half misses a wide-open receiver, which should have been a touchdown. Um, and he should have had a pick, too, uh, on a comeback route. So Keaton Slowis's box score is more impressive than what actually happened. And you look at some of the big plays that happened, uh, the 64-yard RPO to Jared Wayne. Wayne had a huge after the catchability there. A Banny Candace touchdown. That was mostly him. Hammond's big catch down the sideline. Like you look at all these big plays that they had, and a lot of it was actually the receivers just doing stuff after the play. And that's where Pitt's strength is. So get Keaton Slovis into a role where he can just go boom, 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 boom. Simplify the reads for him. Don't make him go off his first read, his second, third, fourth. He hasn't proven he can do that even at USC. That was very consistent at USC. He could not go from one, two, to three and hit the backside dig, whatever, something like that. And he didn't do that tonight either. But when you kept things simple for him, I thought he looked like a really good quarterback. And he has the arm to do it. But the question is going to be, can Pitt surround him with the atmosphere to where he doesn't have to put them on their backs? Uh, because if he has to carry this team, I don't think that they go very far. The, the defensive front, in particular, this defensive line, was supposed to be one of the strengths of this team. They gave up 31 on defense in this game. How concerned are you for this defense right now, which was supposed to be, as I said, one of, one of the real strengths of this team? Well, listen, you're going to give up explosive plays in the Pat Narduzzi scheme because you play cover zero quarters the entire time. So your corners are on islands. Um, so when you have a guy like Bryce Ford Wheaton who goes off um, for West Virginia, that's not a surprise. But what was a surprise was – the running game for West Virginia, just absolutely bullying Pitt. Um, Pitt allowed six explosive runs today, and they allowed over six yards per carry. That's just not acceptable uh, for a Pat Narduzzi scheme that when you play cover zero quarters, what are you trying to do? You're trying to stop the run. That's the reason why you play that. And the front, you know, that D-line, the linebackers, that's the one thing about this front that you don't know. The young outside linebackers, I think, struggled a little bit today. And so that's something to look at. I think the D-line picked it up when they needed to, and that's that winning gene that I talked about. But that rushing game that West Virginia had, it cannot go to next week to Tennessee or throughout the rest of the schedule because that's what we learned about Pitt. When they don't stop the run, this defense can't stop a cold. And that's the one thing that Pat Narduzzi will tell you. If we stop the run, we stand a chance. If we don't stop the run, Things are going to go really, really bad. And that's really what happened today on defense and opened up the whole cachet for JT Daniels and his receivers. Stay up to date on the Pitt Panthers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Pitt podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. 
Coming up, did the Knicks miss out or dodge a bullet? The New York Knicks are perceived to have yet again dropped the ball by not acquiring Donovan Mitchell. But did they? Adrian Wojnarowski reports that a rejected trade offer from the Knicks to the Utah Jazz included R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, and three unprotected first-round picks. That would seem to be a far more lucrative offer than the one they accepted from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Gavin Shaw covers the Knickerbockers every day for Locked on Knicks, and he made an important point about how the Knicks can move forward. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Gavin Shaw of the Locked on Knicks podcast, and it is official. Donovan Mitchell will not be a New York Knick. He is instead headed to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and as a Knicks fan, you can look at this one of two ways. Either the front office failed to acquire a star in his prime who professed a desire to be a New York Knick, or they showed a rare prudence that has by and large been absent over the past 20 years in not overpaying for a player who is a not- who is not a top 15 talent in the NBA. What is inarguable is what the Knicks have to do going forward, and that is prioritize their young talent. Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, uh, and Obi Toppin, three guys they failed to give a significant enough responsibility and minutes to a season ago are, are now the tent poles of this franchise. There are reports from the New York Post's Mark Berman that the Knicks refused to include Grimes in the trade. If, if these guys really were deal breakers, the Knicks have to actually treat them that way and let them play 30 plus minutes a game, work through the kinks, and become the future of this Knicks team. But that's it for now. Until next time, Gavin Shaw, Locked on Knicks. Don't get it twisted. The Knicks wanted Donovan Mitchell, and Knicks fans wanted Donovan Mitchell. And they can talk themselves into R.J. Barrett. Right now, he is nowhere near the player Donovan Mitchell is. But this reported offer was better than the one the Cavaliers made. So if that is the case, then they did their best. And they didn't get the guy. That's all they can do. Now, maybe that's all this is. Maybe this is just butt covering. Leaking to a friendly reporter that you made this offer that was rejected. That seems like they made a good faith effort to get Donovan Mitchell. Or they were never really that close. This package was never offered. And the Knicks didn't aggressively pursue Donovan Mitchell enough to actually get a deal done. There is no way to spin this other than the Knicks didn't do enough to do a thing everyone assumed was a foregone conclusion, and now Donovan Mitchell is somewhere else. This was another Knicks miss. UConn star Paige Beckers, the 2020-2021 Women's College Basketball National Player of the Year, said Thursday that while she will be age-eligible to declare for the 23 WNBA draft, she will return to the Huskies for the 23-24 season despite being sidelined this upcoming season with an ACL. I'm not leaving. That is not in question, Beckers told reporters on Thursday in her first media appearance since her August injury. Paige Beckers going full Leo and the Wolf of Wall Street. You'd love to see it. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up Monday, who had the best first week of the college football season? So at least until tomorrow, Stay locked on sports today.